week's edition of everything is awesome i'm your host kev and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things and for this week's guest it's complete deja vu that's right uh if you heard me on twitter uh i probably started complaining about this old application that we used to record uh and last week's episode is kind of a I, I made it like a, a best of. You've probably listened to it if you're listening to this episode. It's like a best of, but never heard before, so I don't know what you would exactly call it. But you've heard the clip of this week's guest somewhere in that episode because there's about 15 to 30 minutes of uh, audio that I was able to save uh, from that original interview. So you heard part of that, uh, and we're not going to bury the lead too much because because that intro is intact of this week's guest. So. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. For you guys, really the first time, but for Joe, the second time. Oh, I just said your name. I just I just gave it away. Cosmo Joe. <laughs> hey, what's happening, Kev? Oh, my God. Uh, well, not only am I completely stressed because of what happened, uh, I interviewed before you, I think, two other people and then a guy after you. And then I listened to all the interviews and discovered that they were all ruined. So I had to go to all four of you and say, hey, guys, uh, can can you do the show again? And and here's what's great um, that, you know, this harkens back to uh, and we may get into it in a little bit, uh, depending on where this conversation goes. Right. But we, you and I talked about podcasting and talked about the community um, and I think we extended that beyond the podcasting community to like all like the indie community right, where right. where everyone is kind of just like there for one another and not one person was like, "Oh my god, I have to do this again. <laughs> I wasted an hour of my life in your case, 2 hours of your life <laughs> to to have the show ruined and 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 like 15 minutes of that conversation is usable. You all were really cool about it. I can't thank all of you enough, especially you, because you you were here. I think we did a two to two and a half hour interview. Right. Uh, I think it was and, yeah, at least two hours, man. Yeah, was so um so thank you once again for being on the show. Uh yeah, my pleasure, man. And hey, you know, I mean I gotta say it, I mean, having the opportunity to talk about this stuff uh is great. And and <laughs> you know, uh, I was telling I can't remember who I was telling after the interview, but I just uh, I was telling a friend of mine and I just said it was it was so much fun and so uh, reaffirming to be able to talk about these kind of things and to have an outlet to talk about them. I wish that there could be more opportunities to do that. And see, somebody was listening. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so here I am. We get the chance to talk yeah. about it again. Exactly. Um, and I'll tell you what, it is uh, – I enjoy getting – it's weird. I've been doing this for 10 years um, and I'm getting – I feel like I've never been closer to the podcasting community as I, as I have been before. And I don't know if that's just experience. Um, if that's, uh, just, I mean, you're in it for 10 years, eventually you're going to be closer than you were the year before, but it's like the idea that people are coming to me to say, yeah, I'll do your show or I want to do your show or, you know, people are saying, Hey, you know, we're having a podcast meetup. Why don't you come to that? And just finding out all, all about the whole, I think, this is just the time for podcasting and yeah. where, where like there's so many podcast conventions that go on now. Uh, I was going to say, man, cool. I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what was, uh, <clears throat> how much of the last interview was heard, but, um, I know we, we spoke last time about the fact that, you know, when you first had me on, uh, you know, 10 years ago, yeah. uh, you know, podcasting was still in, in its infancy. It was something that I had heard about, but not really got into. And then, skip ahead, you know, my, I had a literally, I'm not even making this up. I had to literally update my iPhone to a 64 gigabyte versus the 12 gigabyte or whatever it is, because I have so many unplayed <laughs> podcast yeah. episodes. Um, but you, you know, you're right, man. The, the community has, there's definitely a community now where I never felt like before there was a really a podcasting community. But uh, yeah, with things like New Media Expo, um, with mm -hmm. some podcasts like we mentioned last time we spoke, like uh, like Serial and 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 WTF, the Mark Maron podcast. I mean, there, there's there's so many podcasts now that are really legitimizing 
the genre and uh um you know so it's uh it's just it's it's been really cool to kind of you know go from where you introduced me to this to you know where podcasting is now it is uh it is kind of nice to at least for me i know i've been here kind of since the ground floor there were a couple shows out there before me like kevin smith did some podcasts before me uh i'm sure mark i don't know if mark Marin was on the circuit in 06 um but th- there were a handful of guys out there 10 years ago uh and we started just after that so it's kind of cool to be on the ground floor of it and see how this medium has progressed in 10 years and how it's been accepted by the general public i right. mean uh, Serial helped uh, with that. Barack Obama being on Mark Maron's podcast, like we talked about last time, uh, certainly helped that. Right. The fact that I was watching a a movie where the the the, the main characters were podcasters uh, is just <laughs> it blows my mind. Uh, yeah. The fact that that Scream, the television show, um, utilizes that. Instead of a uh, you know a normal reporter, they use a podcaster who's much in the vein of um, what's her name Sarah Kane Sarah. I can't pronounce her last name. It's, it's slipping my tongue. This the host of Serial, but she's very much that. Oh, character. Sarah Koenig. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, 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 I didn't know who you were going for, but yes, yeah. yeah, right, Sarah Koenig. Sarah, and so that's who that scream the TV show person is. Is is it's taking over that? Like, hey, I'm doing a serial type podcast. So to wow. see that in pop culture now um, is just really cool, and just to, it, it warms my heart that I can say I've been around since the ground floor. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I mentioned last time we spoke and I'm not, again, I'm not sure if it was in the, uh, what was saved, but, um, uh, last year was the first year that I, uh, I, you know, kind of jumped into podcasting myself and, uh, did a bluegrass music podcast and, uh, uh, it was, it was scary, <laughs> but, but fun. You know, it was one of those things, uh, you know, uh, I just thought, okay, I have microphones, I have recording software, um, how hard can this really be? <laughs> but, um, you know, it was, it was, it was born out of necessity. You know, I yeah. think having become such a, a kind of a podcast junkie, mm-hmm. um, a couple of years ago, I really started getting into, uh, bluegrass music, which is, I think, uh, country music's form of, uh, indie music. Uh, um, yeah. it, you know, I mean, I mean, bluegrass music, the style of it kind of predates what we, I think, currently know as country music, mm-hmm. uh, but it is so grassroots and so, um, you know, independently driven. Uh, I, I mean, the, the top artists in bluegrass music are, you know, basically funding their own projects and, and you know, funding their own marketing campaigns for their music and that kind of thing. So it's So it's amazing. So the music that's coming out of that genre of music is awesome. So... So, you know, as I started getting more and more into it, you know, I kind of, you know, <laughs> was looking through the podcast stratosphere to find, you know, a good long form interview podcast about bluegrass music or interviewing bluegrass musicians. And there was really none out there. Um, I mean, there were a few uh, that, you know, kind of stereotyped bluegrass music <laughs> with the, you know, the yeehaw kind of things. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, just like, man, it's it, it's such a. I mean, I was a classical musician, and I was just blown away just how much skill and technique it takes to play, uh, you know, that genre of music. So, uh, in any case, long story short, uh, I just thought, well, if there's not one out already out there, um, I'm going to do one myself. And yeah, um, you know, kind of a not a cocky attitude, but uh, you know, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, like you know, I can do this. How hard can it be? Uh, but it didn't take me long, man. <laughs> I mean, podcasting is a full time gig. It is, um, uh, you know, scheduling uh, scheduling interviews, calling publicists, uh, recording the interviews, uh, re recording interviews when your when your software crashes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll tell you what. I, I got a chance to sit down and uh, listen to your podcast. I listened to uh, your ah. episode zero and episode one. Oh man, and, okay. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. It was it was cool uh, 
listening to you be the host because I've only ever known you as a guest on a podcast. So it was it was cool seeing you on the other side of the table uh, or, or listening, hearing you on the other side of the table, I should yeah, say. Man, I was scared to death. Uh, you know, I, I think I recently or actually I think during the run of that podcast, I kind of like went back and listened to Zero and 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 Zero One. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what I, you because I think we discussed on the last time we sat down to record how your your that first interview you did on episode one was with someone that you like admired and respected yeah and you were nervous yeah. I don't th- I didn't hear it uh, and maybe that's because I'm a poor interviewer when it comes to people like of that status someone that's above me uh, that I don't really know so like I am pro- I feel that I'm not good at it so I listened to you and I was like oh that's great like he I don't know what he was talking about I thought you did a great job I liked the uh, I, I really enjoyed the, um, the the format and it was cool um, as someone who is a not necessarily a music person but especially not that type of music and i'm I'm just going to classify it as country like that country music whether it's country country or you go down into that that really specific subgenre of bluegrass like that's just not my thing typically right Uh, right. but I, i enjoyed being able to listen to somebody talk about their passion um so that's where i think Every podcast can be an audience for anyone. You don't have to appreciate bluegrass music. You don't have to be a fan of it to necessarily listen to that podcast and like not and and, and not enjoy it. Like you can enjoy it just by soaking in. I don't know I like to soak in information. I guess. Thanks, man. Yeah, and and that's you know, and, and I'm the same way. I mean, I'll listen to you know podcasts or about just about you know, you know any subject. But I think that was kind of my mission statement or goal with with my podcast was that, you know, uh, you know, I, I admit several times throughout the run of the podcast that, you know, I was one of the people that kind of stereotyped bluegrass and thought it was, you know, whatever hillbilly music or, um, and, you know, having to, having had the chance to kind of, you know, meet a lot of the players and the people and the artists, um, you know, I wanted to, at the very least, let people know that it's, it's more than just what they saw on the Beverly Hillbillies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, or what they saw in, um, uh, uh, God, what's that deliverance, uh, you know? Oh yeah. Um, That's my experience with bluegrass. Yeah. It's, it's everybody's experience with it, man. It's like, you know, it's just like, yeah, I kind of know from deliverance and like the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, so I was like, oh man, I got work. I got some work to do. And, and it was great because it did, um, listening to, and I don't remember your first guest name, um, but she listening to her, uh, uh, talk about bluegrass and music in general, really. And just kind of how she kind of came up. It just reminds me of my stories and how I came up in podcasting or even wrestling back in the day. Like it's just everyone, what, no matter what you're doing, you kind of have the same basic story of being, you feel like you're surrounded by a strong community. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly, uh, you know, right. I felt that way in podcasting, like as I was doing podcasting, as a matter of fact, it was, I think, you know, podcasting and bluegrass music was a perfect marriage because it was, uh, you know, like we were saying, podcasting is, is still in its infancy, but it's developing this community. It's very independently driven. Um, you know, everybody that's doing podcasts, I mean, everybody's friends, there's, there's not a real sense of competition. Like even, even if you're doing, the same type of show people are kind of like yeah hey man i'll come on your show and you can come on mine yeah. and it's great and and bluegrass musicians are the same way man i mean like you know you can pick up 17 different <laughs> bluegrass albums and you'll see the same players kind of like across just you know guest playing on that one and guest you know singing on that one and um you know it's a strong community of players and and the girl i interviewed at that on that uh, episode zero zero one was her name's kelsey harrigal and, and the band's name was flat lonesome um, you know, they're all kind of 20 somethings and, you know, they're, you know, I thought it was a perfect way to kick off that podcast cause they all had that kind of like young energy. Um, you know, it was, you know, it was definitely bluegrass music for the non bluegrass fan, <laughs> you know? Um, but she was, she was very, uh, gracious uh, to me, you know, coming on the show and, um, you know, and, uh, I'll give you my secret of why I didn't sound as nervous as 
I'm, I'm telling you what I, I was, um, I re-recorded all of the, Oh, that's right. That's questions. right. You did tell me that. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I, I was a stuttering mess. Like when I went back, I was just like, I, there's no way, way to edit this to make myself sound, you know, halfway decent. So I just reinserted myself asking the questions in a much, you know, uh, you know, so Kelsey, and that's what a, a smart podcaster editor does is is obviously a lot of people go into uh, a podcast looking for the quality like it used to be you could get away with with things uh, not sounding as good because it was just older technology. Right. But that's what a smart podcaster does. Unlike me, who I just record and unless there's an edit that I feel like needs to be made, I just let it all go. My stutters, everything. I'm not a. Uh, we used to be back in the day when you first and for anyone that didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, Joe and I go back about 10 years almost at this point. Um, we we did a show. I did a show called Happy Hour Steel Tip. And um, Joe uh, was a the manager, guitar player uh, for the Shannon Cole band. Right. And um, they were a guest on one of our episodes. And, and, and like it just I, I don't want to say I want to say. I mean, that show was so short-lived that it was probably almost all the bands we interviewed. But there was really, I can only think of two that formed like a decade-long friendship at this point where, you know, with, with you, with, at least with you, I don't really talk to Shannon much anymore. Uh, and I still talk to the guys from Robots and Race Cars every now and then. So, like, it's just – and there you go. That's another, like – you know, we keep going back to like the, the community and the, and how strong it is in the podcasting world. Like you can make lifelong friends from your guests or from other podcasters. It's just, it's so cool. Right. Right. And that, you know, and that's something that I experienced too with my podcast. It was just, uh, you know, getting the chance to interview and meet uh, all these artists and managers and that kind of thing kind of like uh, brought me a little bit closer to all of them. And, and like you said, built some friendship. So I was kind of like, building my podcast community, but at the same time I was kind of entering the bluegrass community and I had a couple of chances, uh, you know, chances afterward to play with some of the people that I interviewed and, uh, you know, or they invited me out to the show. So it was great. I mean, it was, it was That's just a great marriage. I mean, the, <clears throat> I had to stop doing the podcast or, or it's kind of in hiatus right now <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, because like I said, it's just, it's so much work. Um, and you know, I was, uh, you know, uh, I need to do an another episode just to tell people what's happening, but, uh, right. you know, I'm thinking like I should probably have a co-host and somebody else scheduling the interviews and I just, you definitely need a team and, uh, you know, it is, it is a, a hard, um, medium to, to get into, especially when you're at that indie level, because it does, it is. I won't call it a full-time job for me, but it really does demand a lot. And like, right. I was lucky enough up until last weekend uh, to ha be ahead by a month. Like I had, I was scheduled till mid-May with interviews and <laughs> that makes it so much easier when you're that far ahead to say, all right, I can do one interview a week, maybe two uh, on a certain week, depending on people's schedules, just to like have a backlog of, of shows. Right. Um, when you get in this predicament where like I have a show, I, I, I'm redoing the whole schedule of the show because of this. We're now releasing on Wednesdays instead of Mondays. And okay. to give me the extra two days to put together a best of show, to give me a week to put together this show <laughs> and get more interviews under my belt for to just get that backlog back because – I'm a fan of the idea of these long form interview shows uh, that are in the same vein as like uh, Fat Man on Batman with Kevin Smith, um, <laughs> Guy on Girl with uh, uh, Aisha Tyler. Right, uh, right. Where it's not you're like you guys aren't coming here to really promote something necessarily. You're just here to talk. And yeah. so there's no timetable yeah. for that, you know? Exactly. And that's, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's exactly what I was looking for. You know, when I when I was saying that I was looking for that bluegrass podcast, was those long form interviews where they're not necessarily promoting one thing and and over talking that one thing, yeah. but you know, really getting a history of 
the guest and 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 finding out a lot yes. more about them than you would be able to find out otherwise because there because there is there's no time limits and there's no <clears throat> there's there's nothing interrupting the flow of the conversation like you know hey we'll be right back and when we return and you know we have to fit it into 24 minutes because of the commercial you know it's just um <clears throat> that's what I, I think I meant earlier by the the independent spirit yes. of, of of podcasting is that it 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 allows you to to I guess dive in deeper or more deeply than you would in any other commercial medium anyway. It, it lets you do whatever kind of show you want to do um, because <laughs> exactly. there there is a place for that style of podcast where you do have commercial breaks and you do almost I mean that's what Happy Hour with Steel Tip was. We were basically running off the schedule of. Um, I forget who the the afternoon host here in uh, in Philly at YSP when they were Talk FM or Free FM or whatever, um, Matt Matt and Mike or something like that. Um, that they, they were basically a two hour show on YSP, and that they had like specific segments that they did, and that's what we did back in the day. And there was a lot more editing to it and stuff that I wasn't really part of. But like for the first five years of my podcasting career, that's what I did. I did basically. Um, regular radio talk shows in podcast forums, and there's right, absolutely right. the audience out there for it, and I still have an appreciation for that. But yeah. I, I kind of like the the more specific um, topic type of uh, shows now, where you're not that this has a specific topic. The specific topic is you, the guest. Right, right. So that's that's where I'm at now with my like my preference. Yeah, and I love it. And you know, if if there's if there's any of your audiences listening as as prospective pro- podcasters and and I'm sure you can probably speak to this more than I can, but I I think one of the things that set me up for uh this long-term hiatus <laughs> was that I kind of went in with the weekly um uh model of of the show like I was going to, you know, release a a show every Monday or you know, like like what you just said with your show every Wednesday. Um it, you know, that's one of the, th- the things that just right off the bat made me discover like, wow, that's really, you know, Monday comes really quick yes. <laughs> you know? when you're yeah. doing, uh, you know, it's unbelievable. You feel like I had this whole week to get all this stuff together. Even when you have a backlog of interviews, like you just said, man, you burn through them all of a sudden and you're just like, oh, wait, I don't have anything for this week. And, um, you know, so I mean, it might also, it might be a good idea for prospective podcasters to just kind of start give yourself a little more time, you know, kind of start, uh, you know, a monthly podcast or bi-weekly yeah. or something like that. You know and, what? And um, there's this up. other show that's a long form interview show that I, that I connected through uh, on the, the Philadelphia podcasting society, Facebook page. We've chatted back and forth. We're trying to schedule something to be on each other's shows, but he, he's, he's more music centric than, than this show is. Right. And he, um, he does every other week. He does, you know, twice a month. And that's, you know, there, the the best thing about podcasting is anyone can do it. It's such an easy medium to get into. In today's world, you can literally use your iPhone or Android device exactly. to record a podcast. And hell, you can even edit it within your phone now. Right. Um, I, I don't have much experience in doing that, but you can do it. Like that's the thing. And and you can probably even get it uploaded to i to iTunes from that point because you can have your WordPress blog built into your phone now. So there's <laughs> such an easy way yeah. to do it now. But at the same time, uh, if you're going to do podcasting and, and I'm 10 years into it, still poor at doing this, but <laughs> you need to have a consistent schedule. Like you're, if you want to build your, your fan base, you need to, if you're going to release every Monday, you need to release on every Monday. So I have an issue with saying, oh, I'm going to release every Monday, and then Tuesday or Wednesday I have n- I end up releasing the episode, even though right. I had a backlog for it. Right, right. So it's like you said, Monday creeps up fast from the rest of the week. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even though there's that independent nature of podcasting, you know, I think audiences are audiences, and, and you know, consistency, you know, knowing, hey, it's Monday, and knowing when to, you know, the most successful podcasts out there are ones that – you know, Monday and Thursday they drop or, you know, yeah. uh, you know, they're, you know, it gives you something to look forward to and plan your schedule around actually. If, uh, you know, at, at that same token though, I would also say if you're going to get into podcasting, like get into it for you. Like I think everyone should do a podcast because everyone has a story. Uh, and I, you know, I could just repeat what Kevin Smith says on a pretty much a weekly basis on, on, on one of his podcasts that he does. <laughs> uh, right. but, 
you know, everyone has a story and I, I should, I think everyone should do one, but, uh, if you're going to do one, um, I, you don't necessarily do it for you before you do it for an audience. So, you know, find that schedule, find what works for you, find what equipment works best for you. If you can do it on your phone. Great. I mean, I've just gotten into like a storytelling podcast. Um, I think it's a radio of free planet X or something. Um, And I can't really, I can't discern what the exact story is about quite yet because I kind of hopped in in chapter one of like, of like part six or something like it's, so I'm not quite sure where the story is. It's kind of sounds like it's like a, a like a post, uh, like a, Ma- a Mad Max type world. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, story podcasts are like so cool now. Like there's, you can do anything. Yeah. You know, if you're a writer, was, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of that other podcast that was real popular about, uh, it was about a year or two ago. It was, um, of, um, Welcome to Night Vale. In Night Vale, yes. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I'm glad that that's all I gave you was just that other podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> out, of, uh, out of the millions of podcasts out there, we, you were able to kind of read my mind and grab that one. Um, that that one, I only listened to a handful of episodes. Um, I, I should give it another chance because it was because now that I'm more into that kind of concept, uh, I think I'd be more open to it. Yeah, you know what, man, I'm with you. Like I, I listened to about the first three episodes and. Uh, y- you know, kind of what you were saying about bluegrass music, I wasn't necessarily into the type of story that they were telling, <clears throat> but what I was blown away by was um, uh, the fact that this is basically a um, uh, an audiobook. Uh, yeah. I mean, any writer, any novelist, any any you know, body that's dreaming of being a published writer and having an audiobook. You can just, like you said, if you have an iPhone and an app that records your voice, uh, um, you know, uh, there, there's an app, I think, called Boss Jock that you can actually, like, mix music in. And But okay. but even just the notes thing on your phone, I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you can create uh, an episode of you reading a chapter of your book and, and make your own audio book for, you know, not just the price of hosting it on a website or WordPress or something like that. But uh, so it, it, you know, again, I don't want to, you know, put too fine of a point on this independent thing, but it, it really is just something that opens up a world of more possibilities for independent artists, no matter whether it's music or, uh, you know, writing, uh, journalists, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it just gives them a, you know, a, a format and a, and an outlet that, you know, was never here or never available before. And, and now's the time to do it because I, you know, at some point it may not be in, my lifetime or your lifetime at some point someone's going to find a way to make it so that podcasting has rules and regulations that you have to follow just like everything else yes so so now's the time to get into it because at some point you may not have a chance to get into it yeah yeah and um uh, you know they, and actually they tried i mean uh, what was that lawsuit a couple uh, years ago that was that um uh was it joe rogan that was that was uh, involved in uh uh, yeah, I, long story short, I mean, people tried to trademark. It was, it, they call them like trademark trolls, where um, you know they they trademark something that was already in existence and and nobody trademarked before. Like you know, these guys trademarked the ability to <laughs> I don't know post audio, uh, yeah. you know, pre recorded audio in a podcast format, and they were trying to basically shake down podcasters to say like, hey, you owe us a licensing fee, and you know. Um, but uh, you know, uh, I think I, I want to say it was Joe Rogan. I can I'm probably totally wrong here, but in any case, one of the podcasters like fought back and raised a lot of money to fight back hard, and and he eventually won, and, and you know the whole thing was thrown out. But uh, uh, that was scary, and, and I think a lot of podcasters were um, rightfully very scared of this because this would have taken away, uh, you know, the very <laughs> the very soul and the nature of what podcasting is, and. Um, you know, and would have like kind of like limited it only to those with you know, uh, you know, a lot of money behind yeah. them, or you know, that kind of thing. And and that's what I like about the the world we're living in right now is that it's not just you know we've been talking about podcasting for like the last twenty plus minutes now, but you no, know, that it, it extends to writing with with the ease of self publishing now. It extends to uh, well, I won't 
I can't speak for music necessarily, but I'm going to assume that it's easier to get your music out there now as an independent artist than it was 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it extends to, uh, you know, writers or filmmakers that want to get something out there on YouTube. You know, anything out there now that, that you can do creatively, you can do in this whole new media world that we live in. Right. And for the most part, you can find an audience. You can you can do it on a, a, a much less um, expensive budget than you could if you went mainstream. Right. Uh, and you get to do what you want to do is like the most important thing. You're not being told what to do. Exactly. Hey, we're taking a quick break so we can talk to you about our new podcast, Looking for RPG. It's hosted by Mike, co-founder of That's Entertainment, and a founder of Telst. Speaking of Telst, this is a tabletop RPG podcast game that takes place in that very world. Mike has woven a great story for you to listen to while we play this game. It is so much fun. Check it out on thatentertains.com. It drops on April 30th, 2016, and it's going to be a monthly podcast. So check it out right here on thatentertains.com. And that's, uh, I mean, I I know we mentioned this the last time I we we talked, but that's you know that was always my main background was music and and um, you know I guess I've been in the the artist development and management part of the music industry for I guess probably the last half of my career. I mean, the first half of it was definitely spent more on myself, you know, writing and and trying to. Uh, you know, find publishers for my work and, and, you know, starting bands and, and recording music and, you know, <laughs> trying to, you know, I don't know, become famous in the next, I don't know, Def Leppard. I don't know what I was into, <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, none of the, I mean, it was so, it was ex- exponentially more difficult to get, to build, to find an audience, to, to get anybody to hear your music. I mean, it was, I mean, the, the term garage band, I think was created because of that. I mean, most bands didn't get past their garage and, you know, their audience was literally their next door neighbors or the cops or, you know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and then, you know, around the time when, you know, when we first met, I guess that was probably around 2005, I want to say somewhere around there. I think, I think 2006, 2006. Okay. I want to say summer, uh, early fall. Right, right. I mean, I know you know Facebook was pro- was still if it if, if it was even in existence, it was it was just relegated to anybody with a yeah. .edu email address. Yeah, it, uh, it, it may have just moved on from that too. I'm not. I think, but we were heavy in MySpace in those days. Right, right. I was going to say Shannon Cole's, you know, big, uh, you know, I guess social platform was MySpace, yeah. um, um, and. Uh, you know the, the, you know I think the wounds in the music industry were still pretty fresh from the whole Napster near death experience, and they they felt like they dodged that bullet. <laughs> but then came iTunes and uh, you know and YouTube. I, I remember actually right around the time of working with Shannon, I you know the first person came up to me and said, "Man, hey, you got to check out this new website called YouTube. You can put up videos for free." And, yeah. uh, you know, it was just so, I don't know, it was so new at the time, but well, I mean, 2006, that's like, that's the, the year that new media basically was defined at least as new media, because right. before that, like, you know, there were videos online, uh, there was audio online, but none of it had a name. None of it had a YouTube or none of it had a podcast or, right. or anything it was like kind that. kind of underground and, and yeah. yeah. Um, right, because you know the 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 music industry in general spent so much time and so much money trying to squash it, you know, with with the Napster thing, and and um, I mean that was that was a big turning point in the music industry anyway, and I mean it took a few years for them to kind of like regroup and figure out. Uh, you know, when I say they, I, I mean just basically, I think the <laughs> the independent music movement or or you know the new media movement, uh, you know at large where, uh, you know, and we're just started coming, like you said, 2006, it was, everything was just starting to be born. And then, you know, just skip ahead, man, just one decade yeah. and, and look at it. I mean, it's, it, it's insane how fast and how hard it, it, the, the entire music industry was turned on its ear <laughs> because, yeah. uh, and, you know, and there's no way to control it now. I mean, there's, you know, um, and this, and the, the, the real pioneers in the music industry now are the ones that are finding a way to embrace it mm-hmm. and, and kind of make a profit off it that way. Um, you know, rather, rather than trying to hunt down every person on YouTube, who's, who's infringing a copyright, um, you know, somebody figured out a way to monetize it you know, allow it to happen. You're not going to be able to police it. Uh, 
you know, and, and shut it all down. So, okay, how do we make money from this? And, and they found a way, you know, they, 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 they allow you to keep those things up on YouTube and they just put an ad on it yeah. and the ad revenue goes to the copyright holders. And there <laughs> is, and that, I mean, going a little away from the music side of it, there's the, the YouTube stars, like that's, that's a term yeah. these, these, and they're recognized as legitimate and they should be as legitimate, like famous people. Uh, right. they have book deals, they have, they do speaking, uh, speaking dealies. Um, and they, they, some of them even, you know, migrate like uh, the angry orange started on YouTube. I think that's on cartoon network, adult swim now or something. And then, you know, there was right. that, uh, Freddie show that went to Nickelodeon and, eventually a couple movies like it's it's a place where you can literally uh as an independent artist and no matter what that means to you make a career have a career and make good money doing it just through ads yeah the, i was gonna say through ads and um <clears throat> uh you know uh right i mean in youtube if you if now if you're an artist on youtube um um you can you you turn on the monetizing feature and basically what happens is you know you get, you get a percentage yourself of whatever youtube makes off of people watching your video they'll, they'll put an ad in the front of it and that kind of thing but there's artists that come down here now looking for a deal that are building popularity on youtube and no record label can offer them a deal as good as what they're making on their own <laughs> Just yeah. through YouTube, there's. I mean, there's no way. It's like you know, how can you go from making a hundred percent of, you know, the ad revenue that's due to you through YouTube to making eight percent of it? You know, when you sign to a record label and they take, you know, uh, you know, eighty-two percent or ninety-two percent of yeah. your of your earnings. <clears throat> um, so it's you know, it's it's giving so much more power to artists um, to call their own shots and and like you said, make their own music without having it. You know, having to make it fit into uh, you know, some kind of a formula that yeah, works. And part sure. of that success is, and we, we talked about this last week is that um, this new media age that we're in, it gives the most direct line of communication with your fan base that you can have. And that's what, that's the difference for some people. If you're good at interacting with your audience and, and whether it be through Q and A's on your YouTube page or right. just engaging them on Twitter or comments or whatever, like that's what drives you to have, like to get a bigger audience, to get a bigger, uh, you know, percentage of, uh, or get more revenue from the YouTube ads or whatever. Um, like that before the new media, yeah, you could interact with your audience right. in a controlled environment. Now it's, you know, every, everything's on the table. Right. And, you know, it's, and by no means, I, th I think, you know, where a lot of artists and I just experienced this over the past couple of weeks is I had a couple of consultations with, with new artists that are looking to, you know, improve their social media presences and, 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 you know, you know, find a marketing plan for their music and that kind of thing. But I think what a lot of the misconception a lot of people have about new media <clears throat> is that it makes things easier. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, uh, Oh, it's so much easier now to get your music out there. And, and it's, you know, so much easier now to reach your fans. It's not, it, uh, there are more opportunities for it, but it makes it a lot more difficult just m merely by virtue of the fact that there's so much of it now. Yeah. Now, every, <laughs> everybody with a guitar yeah. is, is a YouTube artist or, or, you know, uh, or has a Facebook page with mm. 20,000 hits on it. Uh, and, you know, it's just, there's so much more noise that people have to sort through now. And you have to be that much more creative in finding a way to, to rise above it all, you know, and, and, and stand out, uh, you know, among literally millions of other artists that are, that are all doing the same thing. And I also look at it cause it's the same thing. Like, you know, we are just a couple minutes ago. We we're saying, Oh, podcasting is easy. Anyone can do it with whatever right. uh yes it's absolutely easy to get into but we also and the same goes for whether you're a musician or you're you know a director writer whatever uh in this new media world it is i would say yes it's absolutely easy to get into it however it right. is then you're you're literally 
doing everything. You are your own manager usually. Uh, you are your own producer in the case of the you know uh, podcasting where you are booking your own guests. You are editing your own shows. You are producing your own shows. You are hosting your own shows. You're promoting your own shows. So you have to, and we you know we we discussed this before. You have to wear every single hat, which is a great learning experience, absolutely. But it, yeah. it, it it's a full time job when it's when it's something that you're just starting out doing. Right. And you're, you're absolutely right. And the, uh, you know, it's great that this new media puts, you know, more, you know, I guess business responsibility or more power in the hands of artists, but now you have to be as much of a business person as you are an artist. And, uh, you know, historically artists are really horrible business people. And uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm including myself in that bunch. I mean, like, you know, it's still learning, learning how to, uh, you know, like I was just saying earlier, come up with marketing plans and business plans and, and, you know, and that kind of thing. And um, I mean, I would so much rather be just focusing on things creatively. And that's, I think every artist. And when they get that overwhelming sense of like, well, I'm going to be spending more time promoting my songs than actually writing my <laughs> songs. Yeah. It's very discouraging. And, um, uh, you know, and yeah, and to your point earlier, uh, the example I was just giving to an artist yesterday was, uh, you know, I can literally have you, uh, I'm not even exaggerating this time frame. Uh, you know, if I, you know, record a song in my house in the afternoon, I can have it up on YouTube's, Amazon, or YouTube's, <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting my new media mix up here. Yes. Uh, YouTube, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon by that night, literally within hours. I can have it up there, ready to go, ready to sell. So, it, I mean, it's that easy to get it up there. And, right, and I can record it probably on the iPhone and, and get it up there. <clears throat> but, but, right, then you're one of, However many tracks, I mean, I think I think they crossed a billion threshold on iTunes now, haven't they? Oh, wow. or, or or maybe a billion downloads or whatever it was. But yeah. uh, so okay, you're 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 one little star in the Milky Way here. How do you <laughs> drive yeah. an audience to it, and how do you get people to start downloading it now? So um, you know that's that's the hard part. Yeah. Um, all the all the rest is pretty easy. Yeah. It it, uh, it drives me mad, or it used to drive me mad, thinking about how I'm going to market the show and how it was nice. Here's the nice thing when you're doing um, a podcast with a group of people like I did back in the day is that we all kind of shared that responsibility. Like I kind of yes. – I literally yes. back in the day took the uh, – and it wasn't the right thing to do, but I, I took the egotistical host road. I was like, I'm not – I'm going to show up. You're going to tell me what I'm going to talk about and I'm going to bring the, the funny. Right. And <laughs> and I, like, I did a little bit of prep. Uh, but other than that, like Jonesy did a lot of the promoting. I think Jay was more uh, more along the lines as me. Like we were like, "Hey, we're the hosts. We're not going to do anything but show up and talk." Right. Jonesy and Santora really ran that show. I Happy hours. I think I've, I've met you, or I think we were first contacted by Santoro, and yeah. and and uh, and you know, man. I mean, if you can get to that point, it's great. I mean, I would, you know, for for the artists that I develop, the the music artists that I develop, it it would be fantastic for them to worry about nothing else than just writing and performing. And, you know, and fantastic in the sense that it, you know, it, it will free them up to be more creative and to focus more on, you know, you know, do one thing and do it well. But, you know, and I think that's just, um, you know, I, I hate saying the words, you know, this day and age, but, you know, in this day and age, yes. uh, you know, I think just that the ability to reach that point is just a, a lot more difficult and a lot more rare. Yeah. Um, but you know what? There. Uh, that that being said, no one be discouraged. <laughs> go yeah. go chase that dream because you know what it's it, you find whatever you're good at, whatever you like to do. I should say, like find a way to make money off that because that's how you're going to be happy. Uh, and right. it's it, as hard as it can be because you have to stand out. It also you can if you love it that much, it can be at least fun to do. It can, it can at least be a fun, difficult road versus what many of us do in their day job and just be a, 
shitty, difficult road road throughout right. the entire day until you get to your night. Your night. I literally don't like. La- I haven't been to bed in over twenty four hours because I was up <laughs> writing last night. So like, oh I. <laughs> so, uh, you yeah. know, that's where you like your. I work my day job, but it's right. not what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to be creative, whether that means podcasting, filming, uh, or writing or whatever. Yeah. So like, yeah. you have to sac- You have to be willing to sacrifice all that. Right. Uh, all your sleep, basically, to, now, to get you, what you want. You know what, man? I mean, I went through uh, a, a long period in my career where, you know, I was I was a professional musician in that. I mean, it was all I did. It was my full-time job. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that I didn't like it. It was it was great waking up every morning and knowing I was going to go make music or, or, or be creative, you know, in some way. Um, but, you know, I almost kind of prefer now I'm in the same position as you within the past year I've had to you know kind of get a day gig uh, but what I and I kind of went into it kicking and screaming but <laughs> what you know fast forward a year I love the position that puts me in creatively because now I mean honestly everything that I do creatively outside of my day job is stuff that I want to be doing yeah and and I have the power to say no no to that or no I'm not you know I don't think I can there's not much I can offer you or I don't want to be working on that project. Um, because you know, when you do do it full time, when it is your profession, then you're, you know, I do photography as well. And you know, uh, you know, if it's your full-time gig, you're, you're doing a lot of baby pictures and bar mitzvahs and, and, and I don't know things that you don't necessarily, didn't necessarily see yourself doing in the beginning, but you have to pay the bills and you have yeah. to keep the lights on. Um, musically the same thing, you know, you're playing for a lot of bands or shows that, you know, it's just like, oh man, you know, how did I get this gig? You know, I don't know, playing in, you know, a bar, you know, I don't know, after hours to, <laughs> to you know, 2am to 5am. But, um, so I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, being an amateur, I mean, you know, and I think, I think amateur, the word amateur has kind of become almost like a, like a, has a stigma to it. I mean, it literally means for the love of it. Yeah. Uh, so if you're, if you're an amateur podcaster or an amateur musician or an amateur, it doesn't mean that you're not talented. I mean, as a matter of fact, I, most of the amateur musicians I know are far more talented than the professional ones. Uh, it just literally means that you do it for the, the love of it rather than, you know, you know, to pay the bills. Well, that's, I mean, and we, we talked about this last time is most of, I, I know mainstream music just because it's kind of out there in the world and, and, and whatnot, but my right. love of music is in, in the, I call it indie, in the indie world, but yeah. you know, amateur world, it's, it's the robots and race cars, it's the Shannon Cole bands, it's the danger clubs, it's the, I, there's whatever bands in Philly, like there's not one band in Philly except for maybe metal, like, like hardcore scream metal bands, uh, right. that, you know, though I can do without them. They're <laughs> talented. I just, that's not my thing. Right. Not your scene. Yeah. But like there's pop punk, even, even in country, like I will dig usually indie country I, for some, whatever reason, um, maybe it's cause it's not the same old, same old thing you're hearing out in the mainstream. Um, exactly. but I mean, I used to, we used to be on, on happy hour steel tip later creep cast and happy hour and, and the stab cast when I was a host there, like we were like just indie promoters. And that's something that I don't necessarily promote as much as I used to, but like, absolutely like anything indie, I will, especially like music, especially is, is what I gravitate to in the indie world. And it's just so, so much more, um, I, I don't want to say more talented, but it's, it's, it, it sounds better. It looks better because it is for the love of it versus for, I have to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I was saying that that's where the real, uh, I think we talked about this last time I was on, but you know, it was, it's the experimentation that's allowed to happen. You know, there's more of a freedom for artists to, uh, you know, like I was saying, you know, not have to fit their music into a three and a half minute upbeat song that doesn't deal with things that are too emotional, <laughs> you know, or, you, you know, I mean, it, it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with commercial music. I don't want to come off as sounding curmudgeon about commercial no, music. I, I mean, love Bon Jovi and I love, I'm going to yeah. name a lot of like eighties and nineties. Like, I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I love my music. That's commercial music. Yeah. Uh, but 
if I have a CD, like one of the here was one of the greatest benefits of doing shows like the Stabcast and Happy Hour was that like indie bands sent us their music, and that was great. Like having just a pile of CDs, like like you were working a college radio station or yeah. whatever, right, uh, right? Just of music, new music that you never heard before. Like there's nothing like that. Just something new and fresh versus the other stuff that's still good in its own right right you you know a a conversation that i i you know either walk into (laughs) or become a part of somehow very often down here is you know hearing a lot of other musicians or people that are like my age you know like you mentioned 80s and 90s bands but like you know you'll hear people say like you know man where are the bruce springsteens of today and and where are the the queen you know you know bands like the queen uh, the queen like bands like queen and uh hendrix where are they man i'm just like dude they're out there they're just indie bands now i mean they're yeah. they're not mainstream but they're still out there and it's it's amazing when you come across them um uh, you know i was uh, i was talking to a friend of mine on friday and we were we were talking about vocalists who are just incredible um uh there's a you know a, a blues singer named beth hart um, uh, and I was introduced to her through, I mean, anybody that's really into, you know, hardcore, um, I don't even know if the, I can call her blues. I mean, she has kind of like, she's kind of like a cross between Janis Joplin and, uh, God, I don't know, Muddy Waters and, and I don't know, it's just, but she has this power to her voice, but and she's really popular. I mean, every time she comes through this city, she, she'll sell out three nights in a row. I mean, everybody you know, who's really into that type of music knows her. I don't think not a single song has ever played on radio, you know, um, a guitarist named Joe Bonamassa, who I'm really into too. It's, it's the same exact thing. I mean, he, he doesn't have anything on, on radio, but, um, the, his recordings and his, his music and his guitar playing are just phenomenal and experimental. And it's, it's just amazing to listen to, but you know, they've, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if it's because of new media or whatever, but you know, that's where the experimentation and and the and the I don't know the different stuff is happening. Well, uh, a perfect example is uh, Robots and Race Cars. Um, the the album right. that they released before whatever they did Kickstarter on, um, I can't recall the name of it off the top of my head. Well, it was a good album, but it was them trying to be mainstream uh so right. it not that it was it wasn't bad i liked it robots and race cars uh for the longest time were my favorite band uh you know just in general uh and i really liked that cd but then when they went to kickstarter and did their their rage quit cd um they were in a position to do the music they wanted to do on a cd instead of trying to go mainstream right. and it's by far their best album and every song is amazing on it to the point where I bought the rights to one for one of the podcasts. That's great. Uh, So, you know, it's when you uh, are, are not trying to be mainstream or trying to play to that crowd. I mean, we've said it pretty much for the last 10, 15 minutes. Like it just, you're, you're, you're more creative. You're, you're more um, willing to take a challenge or a risk uh, to, to experiment and, and, put something new out there yeah just kind of let the let the creativity uh flow more freely uh, you know and, and with you know i mean and that's when i think the the um the most creative things happen is when you know there's not as many restraints and and shackles and you know uh and uh you know that's just allowed to happen and things are just allowed to happen I mean, you look at um, the 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 big thing out there now is like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where right. which is all good. I love it all, but I'm oh, a yeah. comic book nerd. So, but <laughs> but you look at some of those movies, and it's like I, you if anyone who didn't see Deadpool, but you go and see Deadpool, and like it nails everything about com- the comic book movie uh, genre where you know well it's pretty much this is going to be your comic book movie you're going to hit a b and c to get to the end of your movie um there's very few movies especially in the marvel brand that like are really kind of different like it may right. be different but at the end of the day it's the same kind of story right. um usually like your, your captain america's winter soldier is is one of the few exceptions the original iron man is an exception where they're like just really unique uh the netflix shows are really unique and, and not the the same kind of 
um, I don't want to say cookie cutter Marvel stuff, but cookie cutter Marvel stuff. Right, uh, right. So, so when you have something like that, that's just so mainstream, like they have a formula and, you know, right. A plus B equals C and that's what they're going to do to make billions of dollars. I, uh, exactly. And, and, you know, man, that's, um, I got to say too, that that's something else that I, um, <laughs> no pun intended, but I marvel at is, uh, <laughs> is, is the, uh, you know, comic books to me when I was a kid, I mean, that was an underground thing. When you went to a comic book store, it, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it was almost kind of, they were always, always like seedy places. <laughs> yes. oh, like yes. they were like on the top floor of a building and you had to go yes. up a little old, tiny staircase to get to them. And, you know, it was kind of like this little cult of people that like you yeah. could talk to about them. But the fact that like now, you know, there's there's graphic novels that are on like the New York Times bestseller list. Um, uh, the 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 movie that was getting a lot of critical acclaim last year. Uh, um, it was a it was an autobiographical. Uh, oh God, I'm going to forget. Oh, oh uh, um, Diary of a Teenage Girl. Oh. Um, I think that was a that was a graphic novel. Oh really? It, yeah. Wow. Uh, um, I might be thinking of the wrong thing, but I'm I'm pretty sure like because because even in the movie there was some kind of like a- animated elements okay. to it to kind of you know give that look and feel of of a, of a graphic novel. So like, but like that that's another thing that I think just I, I can't believe how that you know a, a genre that started out as such kind of like a subculture yeah. is such a part of the mainstream now. You know? Well, uh, and. Th- things i've talked about with other guests that are now lost to the to that they're just a moment in time for me and that guest but i'll bring it up now so that y'all can hear it um (laughs) you know that that the the commercial before force awakens came out uh where you have this nerdy guy literally building an r2d2 unit and then he remote controls it to a girl's house to ask her out to go see the movie force awakens with him. And she says, yes, like all this stuff is stuff that didn't happen 10, 15 years ago. However long I've been out of high school for, like when I was in high school, like you would be punched in the face for doing something like that. I know it, man. I know like that didn't happen. And the fact that like we like for me, like this is a world that like I love living in because now we're on the same playing field, uh, the geeks and the nerds as the jocks, like, and, yeah. and it's people. Um, I, I think it was, uh, my, uh, my guest, Jason Ashley. So I don't know if it will be in the, the, what could have been episode last week, but, um, he put it perfectly that like, he knows a guy who refuses to go see star Wars, the new star Wars, because it's nerdy and whatnot. And like, it's not cool, but like, he's the minority now like when you're that guy that like you're hating it to hate it or whatever your reasoning is <laughs> right like right. now you're the nerd like not necessarily you're not the nerd in in the true sense but like kind of like the social outcast yeah you're the social right. outcast guy like everyone and their mother went to go see that movie and you're holding out because you think it's nerdy right i was shocked at how many people went to see it who never saw the the original two trilogy you know like that yeah. that just like well you know uh, and people that were asking me, like you know, so if I never saw any Star Wars before, because I really want to go see this one, well, like, uh, uh, I guess you know, get somebody to fill you in, I guess. <laughs> but, well, but yeah, the, it it really kind of sparked this. Uh, you know, well, well, plus it's like, you know, I think that JJ, you know, the fact that it was directed by JJ Abrams, kind of, uh, you know, he's almost kind of like a pop culture icon now yeah. and with with laws. I mean, like you know, I think with the original trilogies, I mean George Lucas, I mean you know he. Didn't he do? Was it? Um. Oh God. Was the the? It was like the 1950s movie that he did. Oh, I, uh, American Graffiti. American Graffiti, right? Like, but I think for the most part, like he was kind of like an unknown, and and yeah. you know this music or this movie about you know outer space and yeah. what. Yeah. So yeah, but well, but I think like J.J. Abrams, like everybody kind of knows him from Lost yeah. and, and all the other things, and um and so. and he, you know, he, I think he did a great job with this movie. I yeah, really I enjoyed it. I. Agree. I when I knew I liked Star Wars before I saw any kind of trailer for this movie, and, I, and I'm probably on record as saying this numerous times already, but we'll say it again. <laughs> um, I knew I was a fan, but like I thought I was just like, yeah, I like Star Wars. I, I've, you know, 
Star Wars was a great movie. The prequel trilogy was the prequel trilogy. I fell asleep during most of the movies, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't hate them, but I didn't like right, them. Right, right. But, like, and I had very fond memories of watching the original trilogy as a child with my uncle. Like, my uncle kind of brought me into that universe. But, like, I would never say I'm a Star Wars super fan until I saw the first Force Awakens trailer. And, yeah. you know, the the first half of it or whatever is like the new guys and whatnot. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is gonna be a fun. This looks like a Star Wars movie, and yeah. then boom, the John Williams score hits. Yeah, and boom, the Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I I, I ha- I'm talking about it. I'm getting goosebumps right now. And I've seen the movie. I own the movie now. <laughs> yeah, but talking about that moment, I'm getting I'm I'm getting goosebumps. I got goosebumps during it. The second trailer, when you see Han Solo and Chewie for the first time in in thirty years or whatever, and they yeah. they say Chewie, we're home. Like we're home. I, it almost brought a tear to my eye. Like it was. Yeah. In the trailer, I'm talking about just the trailer. So, like, I found out that I was a super fan. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think you don't realize how how deeply you know a movie like that affects you. And even, I guess, because like you said, your your memories of it were as a as a child. And I mean, you know, I saw Star Wars, and you know, the first one was about seventy seven. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the theater, and it just uh, you know, God, it was magic. You know, and and besides that, it w- there was also a, a, there was definitely a formula that worked. And I mean, God, I remember sitting in college classes d- debating uh, or, or talking about the philosophy and the storytelling uh, of of Star Wars and how it you know was modeled after you know the the Greek greek tragedies and 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 you know but there's a, i mean i think there was actually literally college classes devoted to the philosophy of star wars sure. but um so but i don't know i think it was just great storytelling that happened to be you know against the backdrop of yeah. you know this outer space and and Absolutely. this technical thing whereas you know i i don't know i'm with you i i kind of tend to be the guy that kind of sort of defends the second trilogy like you know I, I feel like some of it's like well some of it's misunderstood and you know as a star wars fan i i enjoyed them still yes they were very disappointing because well, all three were just i think just lucas playing with all this new technology the, you know, the like, first one i can't defend anymore i uh, yeah <laughs> so so i bought the yeah. the the sixth movie set uh, after yeah. I had gone to the theater and saw the new the new movie, okay, and I said to myself, "There's this order called the Machete Order where you watch these Star Wars films, and the mm. idea is like you, someone who's never seen Star Wars before, so like my kids, right. you show it to them in this Machete Order, and it's spoiler free, basically, meaning you watch episodes four and five because if you watch one, two, or three first, you know who Anakin turns into." Right, so you watch right. four and five, Darth Vader. You find out in five, Darth Vader. Spoilers: Luke's father. Right. If you don't know that spoiler, where have you been? <laughs> uh, and then the you go track. back to uh, episodes two and three. You can you can just throw one away. Uh, supposedly, and I have never watched episode one all the way through. I've seen it now two or three times and have fallen asleep each time. Wow. Uh, yeah. But supposedly, anything that happens in episode one that is important to the story of Star Wars is repeated in episode two. So you can go right to episode two. You can yeah, watch episode three. Uh, I never thought of that, man. That's uh, I got to try it. I got. I think I'm going to do it. And then, so episode two and three is basically just a giant flashback to Darth Vader as Anakin Skywalker. And then episode three and episode six is has uh, Luke has parallels with Anakin, where he dresses in black and he kind of dances on that line of light and dark and. It's it's kind of right. it, it supposedly enhances those those two uh, prequel movies uh, by right. watching it in this order. Um, okay, but I, I have yet to f- officially do it because I I want to watch one. I want to get all the way through it, but I just like I put it in and uh, my son and I started watching it and we both fell asleep. Yeah, uh, I, I I mean the the saving grace of that movie to me is. Um, uh, Liam Neeson, uh, yes. I, I mean, uh, you know, and, and, and Ewan McGregor, uh, I mean, like, you know, the, I mean, the fight scene, the, the, uh, the lightsaber fight scenes and, and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, they're acting, I mean, in all honesty, I think the, the, the saving grace of that entire second trilogy is Ewan McGregor, um, you know, and his Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, uh, I can't yeah, think. I, I didn't have complaints about him. 
Yeah, uh, you know that, and um, uh, um, I'm brain farting on her name. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, they're, I mean, they're acting. I mean, even Portman gets a little bit hokey in some parts, but, but you know, I think her acting in episode three and 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 just throughout that series. I mean, those two have to, I think, had to bring so much more to the table, yeah. <laughs> and literally carried that entire trilogy on their shoulders. Um, but um, you know, that, and of course, you know, when you see Samuel L, you know, <laughs> start. although I, I have to, I do have to say that, and, and I know I'm not alone in saying this, so this is not a unique point of view by any, by any means, but, um, I was one of the guys who went to the midnight showing, uh, of episode two yeah. and there was no tease whatsoever about the Dooku, um, uh, Yoda yeah. thing. And man, I think one of the greatest moments in my entire life and history of going to movies was when, you know, he pulled back that robe and took out his lightsaber. I mean, like literally the theater was on its feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah remember I mean, that there was just like a rumble. Like, what? <laughs> it's Yoda. Oh, my God. And then like when he starts, you know, flipping out. I mean, like literally the the I've never been in a movie theater where just like the entire thing place is just standing and cheering. It was it was a great mo- moment, and you know it was a uh, you know of course after that you know they were showing it in you know like hey if you haven't seen yeah, yeah, yeah. you know but um so uh, I don't know there there were there was its moments throughout that trilogy that well, and uh, and that trilogy is is I mean I guess you could say all the Star Wars movies are for kids, uh, but those one especially uh, th- those movies didn't feel like star wars movies to me there was just there was something lacking and it could very well be the the your your uh han solos your chewbacca well i guess chewbacca was in it for a little bit um but uh you know your han solo your luke skywalker the millennium falcon like you were just missing what it, it wasn't star wars yeah, Force Awakens. Yeah. It, I don't care how similar it is to A New Hope. Like it is a Star Wars movie. Yes, and, I, I couldn't agree more. And who cares? Like that's what it should be. It should. We're introducing ourselves to a new generation of the Skywalker Solo clan. And like, who cares if it if it parallels uh, Episode Four? Like Episode yeah. Three and Six have parallels with one another. Like it's. I think it was great. It was definitely one. It's it's probably the, my second favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah, I I'd have to agree. <laughs> I, I I really do. And uh, okay, we're gonna cut it right there. Uh, big thanks to Joe Kaliva for coming on the show again. Uh, as we had mentioned earlier, uh, he was on the show a couple weeks ago um, for two hours. We sat down and recorded. And most of that interview was lost. So he was gracious enough to come back and re-record the interview. So. Big thanks to him. Uh, next time uh, we're going to meet with him is next week, one week from today. We're going to finish our conversation where we get into more of him, more about Joe, more about Joe and music and where he learned and, and how he um, found a love of music and what it means to him. And um, it's a it's a great story. Can't wait for you guys to listen to the last half of this show uh, with Joe. Uh, and and just huge, huge thanks. I can't thank him enough for coming back on the show. Follow him on all his social media accounts, at Joe Kaliva on Twitter. Search Joe Kaliva on Facebook. Check out his website, joekaliva.com. Um, I'm not going to leave you with much more. You know, we kept you a little longer this week, probably an extra 10 minutes here now. So check us out on uh, Twitter, at That Entertains. Find me on Twitter, at HHWST. If you got some time, it would mean a lot if you could go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. And while you're there, if you wouldn't mind leaving a quick review and and a five-star rating or, you know, whatever you think we deserve, um, I I like to think that we're pretty honest on this show and we're pretty upfront. um, And that alone has got me worth a couple stars. And we're bringing you some great guests here. Um, And, you know, iTunes has some sort of algorithm that, does something to get us on the front page. So the more reviews and the more ratings we have, the higher ratings we have, the better for our show. So if you could take five minutes of your day and just do that for us, that would be great. I would really appreciate it. Um, For Everything is Awesome, I'm Kev, and you've been listening to us right here only on awesomepodcast.com.